Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Tessa Zolli, and today we have none other than special guest, Douglas Preston, with us today by popular request. He is a licensed esthetician with over 40 years of experience. He is a mentor, a trainer, and the founder of Preston Acne Pros. So welcome back to the show, Douglas. We are so thrilled to have you with us. Thank you, Tess. You're one of my best friends in this business, and it's always fun to be on your on your show. Today, we're going to have a good little conversation about acne, something we can never know enough about as estheticians. It's one of the most common conditions we face, and we really don't learn much about it in esthetician school. So this is where I think continued education is so important and who better to learn from than Douglas himself. So we are going to ask you some questions here, Douglas, from our listeners. The first question I have for you is one I know you can confidently answer. This is from La France Aesthetics. She asks, what are your tips for prepping extractions? Well, a couple of things. Um, And of course, it depends on the type of of follicular blockage that we're dealing with here, but primarily we want to get that skin softened up as much as possible, warmed up a bit, so that that whatever uh, sebum is in the follicle can be made a little more viscous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reducing the stratum corneum, if if possible, and creating some slip in the follicle. So uh, you can use uh, enzyme products for that purpose. Uh, salicylic acid, of course, you can do a salicylic or even a mandelic peel prior to it, even glycolic acid. I've done all of those. And, um, but make sure that the skin is warm so you can, uh, so you can uh, uh, manipulate the, the uh, extraction process a little bit better. Uh, So three to five minutes prep uh, with whatever it is you're using. Uh, Preston Acne Pros uh, has a product line called Extraction Ease. And it's an enzyme-based um, uh, desincrustation lotion and also a prep for our um, uh, enzyme uh, mask. And both of these go on prior to extractions. That's just one way to do it and a way we like. But, uh, but there are others. But make sure that you're raising the pH of the skin quite a bit. You want to get it above about six and a half. Some companies really take it up there right to a 12. But what that really does is it just makes the skin more pliable. Uh, it's looser at high at, at high pH, and of course tightens up when we neutralize uh, the the enzymes uh, and uh, and use a toner afterwards, salicylic or some something soothing perhaps. But that, that's that's traditionally the best way and um, uh, and should help. I know you came out with those two products recently, right? Your product line for acne professionals. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, we, you know, having had the Preston Comedone extractor for so many years, uh, we were frequently asked about having a prep product. My company did not really want to go into products, particularly retail products for acne, uh, simply because (laughs) we're, we're sort of moving towards retirement. And I know what it takes to produce and support, um, you know, a, a, a full, a full uh, range of skincare products for acne or anti-aging. We're just not willing to go there at this point. So others can handle that. And, um, 
But yes, we did create, we decided to go ahead and, and satisfy that one demand. And so we wanted to work with enzymes as a way of reducing the stratum corneum, raising the pH of the skin, working with this with steam. Or you could even use a, um, a warm, uh, a moist towel. Enzymes need to stay wet and warm in order to be active. Uh, so that's an important feature. But um, that's why we, we did that, really to just answer that demand. And uh, it's done quite well, but I don't believe we're going to go beyond that in any other type of product. So we're, 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 we're drawing the line there. <laughs> in a similar vein, we have a question from Skin Witchery. She says she just got your extractor and she's wondering if you could share some tips or best practices for using it. You know, it's such a great question. One of the things... I shouldn't say this is surprising to us, but many of the purchases we've found uh, uh, for the extractor really has almost a FOMO-like um, uh, appeal to people. It's like, oh my God, I got to get that thing. And then they get it and they're like, what do I do with it? So <laughs> we get calls like that and, and texts and so forth. And of course, we understand we want to support anybody and everybody who has that tool, no matter what. Um, but it does, it, it does take some practice to master it. You know that yourself. And uh, so the best way to learn it is to come to one of our hands-on courses. And we're going to be uh, announcing a, a um, we're going to be announcing a group of those uh, uh, very soon for this year. I also do one-on-one -on -one extraction training with people. It's a three-hour program. I do that pretty frequently. And you'll really get it down if you do, do that. And if you're interested, you would need to look us, uh, contact us through PrestonAcnePros.com. You'll see it listed there. And uh, we schedule that personally. But uh, beyond that, if neither of those things are convenient for you, then you might want to go to my YouTube channel, which is Preston Acne Pros. And there are many, many demo videos there that you'll see. And they're pretty explicit. I explain exactly how to use that tool, how to handle it, the direction, the, the amount of pressure, how you use it in different uh, uh, parts of the face and on different features. And it's a big help uh, for many people. And if nothing else, as I've said all along, contact me. I am so happy to help directly. And usually a phone call or a series of texts, but usually a phone call, and I'm always happy to, to do it, uh, is a big, big, big help. And um, but um, and, and at the very end, if someone's unhappy with it and they just can't get it, we'll always take it back. We'll buy it back. However, I, I would say in the many, many thousands of those we've sold, we've maybe refunded five. <laughs> so it's a pretty popular item and um, because it works so well. So, uh, so I would, I would look at the videos, I would practice with that, um, and then, uh, a, a lacking, uh, improvement, then come to a course, uh, and you'll, you'll get it there because pressure matters, direction matters, um, or contact me. You guys have probably seen the extractor on social media. It's hard to miss. I think a lot of the, the more popular estheticians are using it. And I just want to give a little bit of context as to how I even know Douglas, because I met him when I was going through my 
acne journey and definitely clicked with Douglas, but the tool was one of the reasons I felt his extractions were just so different from other experiences I've had at other clinics. You guys know what I'm talking about when you have lots of healing post extractions or they didn't get the whole infection out. It's bloody, it's messy. They tell you, you know, you need to heal (laughs) for a week after your extractions or you have all these scabs. That's really not normal. And I just feel like this tool is something every esthetician and acne specialist should have in their arsenal. I think it'll pay for itself quite quickly because it's such a different experience for the client. It's it's something that I think is just a good idea to have if you want to be doing extractions because that really deters clients, I think, from coming back to get extractions when they feel like this was such a production, like now I have to go in hiding and things feel worse than before I came in. I really don't think that should be the case. So I just love how clean the tool is. And I just think it's, it's really worthwhile to learn. So just to echo Douglas, his YouTube channel is a really great resource for you guys to learn how to use it. Douglas, is there maybe one tip you could share on the podcast something that could help somebody who has the tool? Yeah, thank you uh, for that, Tess. Um, Two things. One is patience. You really need to just be patient with the process. You know, like anything that requires skill, uh, we have to take our time to learn how to use it. If you get discouraged too easily, then you'll back away from it because I would say that the the most... um, the biggest deterrent that estheticians have when learning how to use the extractor is fear of causing discomfort on the client. Now, I'm glad people feel that way. <laughs> you know, we, we care about them. However, no extraction or almost no extraction is completely comfortable. Uh, the, the tool that I developed is not discomfort-free. You'll feel things with it. However, it's incredibly efficient and very fast. So in a treatment where where extractions are key, you can do five to 10 times the amount of of comedone removal with that tool that you can with any other method. And it also reaches places in the skin where almost nothing else works. And that is the lower chin, the neck down in there, especially if you have closed comedones, nothing gets those out. This tool will do that. But again, it takes time to learn it. You'll eventually get this aha moment where you realize, wow, you know, look, it came out and my client's not screaming, right? Because <laughs> it isn't that bad. So you want to practice, want to let your clients know that they're in charge, right, of the experience. So if it's not working for them, they can they can uh, uh, ask you to stop, right? Or change paint, change method. It's very rare that I've had anyone do that in the treatment room. They do from time to time. Um, and not surprisingly, males are much more sensitive for, for some reason uh, to discomfort than females are. Has you know motivations part of it, but something else is going on. In any event, um, you want to be patient and, uh, and and experiment with pressure. So the and pressure and direction is key. You're probably going to have to push down on that tool a little bit harder than you're comfortable doing, but you will be fine. 
uh, you'll, users will see this little J-shaped indentation in the skin, particularly on the forehead when you're using that, and it scares them sometimes. I've used that, that, that the, the Preston extractor has been used in well over a million treatments and tens of thousands myself. It has never left a mark. And I'm pretty aggressive with that thing, certainly probably more so than anybody I know who owns it. And it's never been a problem, uh, but it sure makes a phenomenal difference uh, in the rate of acne reduction with most of your clients. So you feel like there's less chance of damaging the skin compared to a traditional extractor? I wouldn't say that at all because it all depends on how you use it. I mean, if you're not careful, you know, anything can cause damage to the skin. But, But I have taken that tool to its limit and I have never caused that to happen. I've never had a capillary dilate as a result, a scar of any permanence. Sure, sometimes post- extraction, particularly if inflammation's involved, yeah, there'll be a little recovery period, but it has never happened in all of the years that I've been working where this tool has led to any kind of a problem, challenge, uh, legal action, nothing ever. And uh, I'm very proud of that. Yeah, you should be. And I agree. It does, it does take some time to learn the tool. I didn't get it on my first go either because it's it's a different technique than other extractors out there. So I think as long as you know that and know it just takes takes practice, but it's so worthwhile. I am going to leave my link and code which is test 10 for you guys in the show notes. Highly recommend. Um, what else do we have for you? Okay, we had lots of questions on fungal acne, Douglas. Do you want to touch on that? Is that something you ever see in practice? It seems to be more prevalent in the world of estheticians than it was in my treatment room. I rarely saw it. So I'm not always sure that um, that it is being correctly identified, and particularly if you're newer in this business. And there are lots of newer, type, uh, newer estheticians licensed. And when I mean newer, I mean five years even. You know, there's just so much you will learn doing that you will learn as you go along. This is my 40, oh gosh, what, 43rd year in aesthetics. And let me tell you, things came along in that treatment room that in all of that time I'd never seen before. And um, a lot of it had to do with clients experimenting on themselves, you know, using different products and, and equipment and, and, and such, but also the rate of uh, stress, particularly since COVID, has just gone through the roof. And now we're seeing all these clients with anxiety disorder and phobias uh, and, um, and and other kinds of you know, social disabilities, if you want to call it that, psychosocial disabilities that lead to stress, which affect the hormones. And that's probably a subject we'll go into shortly. But um, for as far as hormonal acne goes, I mean, the first thing to do is to try to identify it separately from what I call congestive acne. Um, or inflamed acne uh, when you have just either uh, uh, open comedones that are not in, uh, inflamed uh, or closed comedones and a combina- usually there's a combination of both. Uh, but um, true fungal acne will be more evident uh, oftentimes around the forehead and the mouth area. You'll have small pustules, uh, but they tend not to include impactions. I mean, the, you know, you're your comedone, 
right? It tends not to be in there. It's just like a like a rash-like condition, but 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 larger um, uh, in terms of pustule features than say uh, rosacea, and uh, and it often doesn't respond to traditional acne care. It's not something you want to use benzoyl peroxide on, for example. It doesn't doesn't have that effect because it's not the it's 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 the benzoyl peroxide does not suppress what's happening in that follicle. So antifungals are usually better, uh, and I've often found that honestly that um, medical approaches have had a better effect than my own treatments. And but that doesn't stop the client from needing you. It's just that if you're not getting success with traditional methods, uh, perhaps a combination can be helpful. And that's true also with uh, with inflamed acne. Sometimes you need the medical approach to assist what you're doing. And particularly in the case when you have a client who's not very uh, compliant with your home care. So you just got to go for the, the heavy guns. We don't want that. But if it's what will work, then, you know, it's in the client's benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. If you have a client that can't commit to a program or making certain adjustments, I think that is a very fair example of when it is ethically a good idea to refer out to a Mm -hmm. medical professional. Yeah. So when you're dealing with malassezia folliculitis or pterosporum folliculitis, those things uh, are just not quite as responsive to what we have traditionally in the treatment room. And then, of course, we want to also needs to investigate why this might be happening, you know, what conditions are going on in the body uh, that could lead to this. Uh, there are some certainly some dietary things that are involved. Um, uh, but uh, it's not an acne condition I encountered that often. So, again, we have to be sure we're we're identifying the right thing and then, of course, uh, advising the client, uh, uh, to the best of our knowledge, um, how to uh, respond. And I have a couple little things to throw in there with the fungal acne question. I I notice a lot of clients will report a mild itching if they're experiencing fungal Mm -hmm. acne. tends to be on the chest, the back like Douglas said, the perimeter of the face. So if they say something to that effect, like, you know what, it's kind of itchy, that can be a clue. Also, if you're extracting and it comes out as more of like a clear fluid, oftentimes that's fungal acne versus when you're getting a true blackhead or whitehead. Um, Because again, fungal acne is not normal acne. There's no head to it. And Again, like Douglas said, when it's not responsive to typical acne treatments, if the acne is not responding to something like benzoyl peroxide and it's worsening the condition, sometimes that is a telltale sign as well. That's right. Lots of questions on hormonal acne. Quincy Wong wants to know, what should I do when a cyst is forming? Uh... Questions like that are always a little difficult because <laughs> we, when we're talking about cysts, you know, we have to we 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 have to engage that from a visual point of view first, right? Which is one of the reasons why when I see on uh, Instagram and other places, people will show a picture of skin and say, you know, my client has this. What is it? 
and then you see 65 different interpretations of what's there. That's not something I ever engage in. If I can't visually see it, I mean, if it's just a garden variety pustule or something, that's one thing, a black head, a closed comedone, you know, that's pretty easy. But when we're talking about a cyst, um, then are we talking about a nodule, for example? Or are you feeling, you know, is it is it the hardening of the skin around an inflamed follicle? So if it's a nodule or a, what we call a blind pimple in some cases, and there's no head to it, and you feel that down there, uh, that can be a deep follicular infection or inflammation that has not yet surfaced. And if that's the case, then uh, we can do things such as cryotherapy. I would treat it with uh, with cold uh, with ice globes, for example, or a cold hammer, possibly. Um, you want to sedate that area, not stimulate it. But if but in some cases, then you could do the opposite. You can heat it up and try to bring it to a head. Um, but the best thing to do with those is to leave them alone. Um, you do not want to try to extract those. You don't want to sink a, 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 a lancet into it. If it's not visually truly evident, uh, I think you need to let that thing take its course. And again, let's try to remember as estheticians, we're not, we are not everything. We're not physicians. We are people who can treat acne to a degree. And what I mean by that is there are certain things that acne will not respond to that we can do. We also don't have control over the client and their behavior. Um, and so within a range, we can be very, very helpful. But I think very often estheticians, and again, particularly newer ones, and it's for good reasons, want to be able to do everything, right? Because that's why you're there. You want to help. You want to solve these issues. But part of growing wise as an aesthetics professional is knowing your limits and knowing where you should and should not be and trusting the fact that you will still do well in this business. You don't have, you don't have to conquer the world with it. Just do the best you can. Don't experiment too much because you don't want to get yourself in any trouble and learn from the experience of working with the customer because you will make discoveries about your techniques, about their behavior, about product interaction, about uh, drug influence on it, lifestyle, diet. There's this whole cornucopia of influences that are there, and it takes a long time to get it down. But that's okay. We all start somewhere. And, and so we want to do the best we can with the knowledge that we can. And then, yes, it's great that you asked this question because that's better than just, you know, trying to figure it out on your own. You know, even heart surgeons, there's one, there's a, there's a day when they have to go in there, right? From, from being an intern to, you know, doing that critical operation. I mean, imagine how frightening that must be to a new doctor, but you got to do it in order to excel in your profession. Um, and so fortunately we're nowhere near that kind of critical care, <laughs> but, um, but, but you want to be patient. You want to learn from this. And so hormonal when we're talking about hormonal acne, there's so many things that are going on there. But, um, and then for cysts, again, to make sure we know it's a cyst, uh, because a cyst can be a physical presence down in the skin, 
But for those things that are not, have not manifested visibly, uh, leave them be. You can put some high frequency on it and so forth, but let it run its course a little bit more. And the next time you see that client, uh, uh, it may be either have receded or, you know, blossomed and then you can treat it. How do you feel about the, I think it's injections or maybe shots that dermatologists do on cysts. Do you find those to be productive or would you prefer somebody leave it alone? Well, if it's a true um, sebaceous cyst, uh, that's going to create a, that will create a mass down in the skin that can be reduced through, uh, uh, for example, um, cortisone. They might put that in there, right, to try to, to reduce it. Um, I don't see that, again, very often. Uh, I only had a couple of people who had a version of that. And we're talking about tens of thousands of people I treated where there was a per- semi-permanent or permanent mass below the skin. And then that will recede to a certain point. And then to get it out for the rest of the time, you're going to have to go in. You see this in Dr. Pimple Popper, right? She gets out, the scalpel goes in and pulls out what almost looks like a fatty layer in there and pulls this thing out because it's not going to go away any longer. Um, but uh, but uh, once again, in all of the people I've treated, I have only seen that happen once, one time. And, um, uh, and it was an Asian boy who had probably the most severe acne I've ever treated. Uh, it was quite a challenge. And he, uh, he did create one sebaceous cyst that, or excuse me, one acne cyst that remained in place, but it, but it reduced in size quite a bit. And he, uh, and, and he experienced an unfortunate level of keloid uh, as a result of the infections. The, 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 the condition was horrific. And the, what we achieved primarily through extractions and bacterial control, because this boy didn't help me one bit at home, not at all. And he didn't like the treatments. He, he was a challenge. But I was willing to do it so long as he and his parents were willing to come back. It took three years. But what a, but the change is astonishing, even with the, the scarring. So um, it can be done, but uh, uh, that, was a, that was an outstanding situation. We've got another question from Stephanie Aesthetic. She says, what do you do with heavy congestion in the forehead that isn't easily extracting? Well, it depends. Again, it would have to be a, a visual thing. I'd need to see that to determine exactly what it is. Some people's skin seems to be a little bit thicker in that area than others. Um, and But the extraction method is what matters. So if you're using your fingertips, that's one thing. If you're using a loop or a cup and hole, you might get a little bit more out of there. But Generally, what's going to happen is more pressure and directed pressure is going to need to be applied to the follicle to pull that out. Uh, I see that from time to time. I always conquer it. And if you are in a state where you can use a lancet, sometimes you can make a little opening in the blocked follicle that will assist you with that. Um, uh, but, um, but the Preston extractor kind of solves that for the most part because of the way it works. It, it, it 
localizes pressure at the follicle and actually creates an upward pressure to lift out what's in there rather than squeezing it side to side or pushing down with the top. You're just going to get a better result with it. So again, it depends on what we're describing here um, because I can't see it, of course, uh, but also the method for removing it. So if you're not having good luck with your current methods, then you might want to you know, explore something else, including the tool that we have. <laughs> Sorry, that sounds like a sales pitch, but there is a reason why this tool that I invented is so popular because it gets yeah. people over these hills, right? That just seem mm -hmm. uh, too, too hard to conquer. And therefore, you know, we're leaving debris in the follicle that we'd rather get out. Right. Douglas, when, when you're having a really tough extraction, is it generally due to dehydration of the skin? Could be. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, that the, 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 um, comedone is pretty well lodged into the follicle. Uh, you know, the comedone can be larger than the exit point. So it's, you know, trying to get a pear out of a, you know, a, a bottle, right. Okay. <laughs> Where the bottom's a little larger than the top. We have to make sure the opening is, is widened. But, um, Sometimes uh, a good thing is if you're if you're finding that it, a, a follicle is not quite responding, you know, put that pressure on it with the tool and then leave it for a bit because that pressure at the point of the follicle will create a little edema and that can then later help what will assist you in releasing what's in there. Now, if you're just not getting anywhere, pass it by. Because you're not, we're, we are not obligated to take everything out of the skin to get every extraction possible, any more than a dentist is to fill every cavity in one visit. Sometimes you have to choose what's, first of all, most manageable. Secondly, what's most com comfortable for the client, and 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 as a response to what they say is most important to them when they look at their skin. And then finally, you know, just what's feasible. And so, you know, not in, in, in my uh, acne cases where extractions are pretty heavy, I don't attempt to take everything out of there. And if something is really resisting, let it go. Just let it be. It's better than to create, create a secondary problem. And you're fine. You know, one thing I want to let everyone know is that in all the years that I've done acne care, a lot of it, and I have not been 100% uh, successful with it. There are various reasons for that. But most, for the most part, I have been. Um, clients will not ever accuse you of, of not doing good work. It just doesn't happen. You do the best you can. Most clients take responsibility for their behavior in their own life, right? What they eat, what they drink, how you know, poorly they live, how little they sleep, the stress they're under, the fact that they, you know, uh, you know I, I, I ran out of product, it's been two weeks and I forgot to get more. I mean, all of these things happen. And regularly, we are, all we are obligated to do is the best we can with what we have. It has, and in fact, in the several cases where I just could not get someone's acne under control. It was me who ended the relationship suggesting that the client look for, you know, perhaps some medical intervention for this. I don't tell them what it is, what to do. That's not in, it's not in my wheelhouse, but at the same time, 
uh, we weren't getting anywhere. And usually it was because my client wasn't compliant. Okay. They just weren't helping and they'd come in every week and the treatments were painful and bloody and, you know, and, and the, and they just were kept willing to, they were willing to do this. I reached a point where I wasn't because I wasn't helping, but I did everything in my power too. But even in those situations, when I did suggest a break in the relationship, which actually made the client unhappy, they wanted to keep doing it. I, I would not. Um, but they'd never said, you know, we're not getting anywhere with what you're doing. It never has happened to me. And I don't think anyone else is going to have that experience. So if you're worried about, in this case, uh, a client's response to your work and you're not, and there are things you can't do, uh, try to rest assured that it will not look badly upon you. You won't, you, people are not going to say, well, she doesn't know what she's doing or he does, he, his methods are not that great. You know, uh, if it does happen, it would be extremely rare. But in all of my years of work, it's never happened one time. And if you want to, if, you know, guys, if, if you want to get anything from me at all that's useful, hopefully it is that to the totality of my experience working with all different kinds of people for many, many, many years. And I have a pretty good idea of what is going to happen for those of us who are in this business. Now, that it's, it's certainly possible if you're not competent or you're careless, well, yeah, <laughs> you might get a criticism you well deserve. Uh, but it's actually not that easy, you know, if you're careful. And caution is better than aggression. You know, when you're trying to treat something, you know, less is better if you think that it can lead to something worse. And then just keep studying, keep getting more education, advance your skills, uh, and you'll you'll do very, very well. So uh, hopefully my words will be of some comfort to you uh, regarding, you know, what you might encounter through your years of skincare practice. I hope so anyway. That's good advice. Did you find, Douglas that you ever encountered more resistance or complaints when you were younger and earlier in the business? Or has it kind of, for the most part, been pretty fair all around? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Listen, when I, when I first started out, I was, I was actually hired before I left Beauty's College. Because somehow I got this reputation for this guy being, wow, there's this guy in this beauty school and he's doing, you know, he's, he's going to be great and we got to get him before someone else does. Oh, wow. that, was all a, that was all a shock to me because I didn't know what I was doing at all. What, yeah. what, but what people were responding to was my presentation. I was elegant. I was kind. Um, I was very consistent, totally focused on my client. And I tried to present a, uh, I'll go back to the word elegance, that, that stood out from the beauty business a little bit. You know, I was in beauty college. I saw what was going on in there. And a lot of it was, uh, you know, a little lowbrow. So I thought, no, I'm going to present myself in the way that I think would be kind of, you know, different. And then, of course, when I got the job, I still hardly knew what I was doing. I mean, beauty school was my only education. And we didn't have online then. We didn't have lots of classes that were easy and convenient to get or 
and you know, estheticians, they didn't really help each other. So, but what I did is as I went along, I, I kept doing more of what clients were responding, uh, uh, complimentary to, and that was the way I talked to them, the touch, the environment, the relaxation I created, the, that whole vibe. And so, you know, and then I did what I did with my products, right? But I've, I've discovered right away it was that how I did my work was more important than what I was actually using. It was the net effect was how that client felt at the end of the treatment. And, it's, and, and, and since uh, much of my work was age management, relaxation treatments, which I think is a very legitimate uh, uh, form of facial care in spite of what some manufacturers will say, the, um, the fact is, is that clients, I, I would listen to what they said at the end of the treatment, and they never talked about the steps. They only talked about the feelings. Oh my God, this is great. This felt so wonderful. Oh, I wish I didn't have to leave. Oh, can I take you home with me? Um, oh my God, this is so wonderful. And, and, you know, and they wouldn't even look in the mirror after these treatments, right? They just would love it and rebook and rebook and rebook. And so I understood that probably for facial treatments, it was two thirds experience and one third of the actual uh, treatments itself. And and I've lived with that my whole practice, made it made the experience wonderful, particularly as people have less and less and less and less time available. We've got to give them something really good to look forward to. And, you know, and, and time, in my opinion, the clock is the real enemy of the aesthetician's career because people have less and less and less of it. And that's why online education, online product buying, online everything is so popular now. No one has the time to go out and especially to waste their time, right? Who wants to go shopping for something and you go to five stores and it's not there? The hell with that, right? You go to Amazon and it's always available. So it just makes sense. And so I wanted to make sure my clients had this wonderful experience and also a good story to tell. When they would leave and talk to their friends and someone would say, oh, you know, you had a facial. Uh, what was that like? And if as long as they keep talking about the feelings more than the visual, that's a great story. And, um, you know, no one goes to Disneyland to study the engineering of the rides, right? That's <laughs> a competitor. You just want to ride and have fun, right? It's like, oh, let me see how this thing actually works. Can I go behind the scenes and look at the machinery? I mean, that's just not how it works. They're sure there's some people that are like that, but the majority? Come on. And so, you know, you have to know the business you're in and then emphasize that. And the beautiful thing is, is that any esthetician, including me from the beginning, can do that. And then, you know, what you don't know won't show because you've given the best you can. And then, like I said, be patient. Allow yourself the opportunity to learn as you go. And you'll never learn everything and you'll never know how to do it all and you'll never need to. And that's kind of nice. And I imagine that is why you're not one to punish clients, reprimand them, or remind them of a lot of things they're doing wrong, 
right? Is that kind of part of your psychology? You want to keep the experience positive and relaxing? Always. I'm an advisor. I'm not an enforcer. And so, as, as I said, people will take responsibility for themselves. If they miss appointments, fine, they miss appointments. If they if they haven't been using their products, fine, they're missing their products. Some people uh, in acne will not work with a client who will, will not use all of their products and keep a, a rigid schedule for their treatments. I will. Because I'm a, I like to think I'm a real world uh, skincare technician, you know, I can only do so much under the best of circumstances, but, but how clients treat themselves is not my responsibility. It's any more than a doctor or let's say you're a dentist and you, and you tell your client, well, if you don't floss after every meal and brush your teeth three times a day, you can't come back to see me. Imagine that. It's like there wouldn't be any dentists. <laughs> you know, they deal with what they get. They give advice. You should floss more. Yes, try brushing a little bit more. Maybe avoid sugar. But when the cavities come and the you know the teeth fall out, I'm here because that's what I do. So we don't need to do that. I, I find that the regimented esthetician is responding more. I'm going out on a limb here, but I'm going to say it more on a lack of confidence than anything about really needing people to do things. Because if you're worried that that they're not compliant, then you're going to worry that you're going to get the blame for the, the fact that this acne is not getting any better. And you don't have to do that. So, you know, I work with anybody. Now, if, if I was being blamed for somebody's behavior, then I would, I would end that relationship. But I've never needed to. It doesn't mean people will come back to you forever. They don't. Sometimes they stop. That's fine. In fact, most kind, most cases they stop. As long as you've got enough to carry you through and you know make a living, you're, you're you're good to go. And most clients you ever get will leave you. That's just a fact. And so you know that's why we have to keep marketing, right? We have to get more in. Um, and some will stay with you decades, and I've had those. So in the end, it's all about what you keep and how good you are with what you do. And in this ever-changing picture called clientele and uh, treatments, products, equipment, all of that. It's evolved all this time I've been in this business. And yet, I've pretty much done things my own way. And it's worked. And that's what's made it an enjoyable career. Because I am largely in charge of what I do. And, <laughs> you know, if you're truly an independent-minded person, there's kind of no other way you can do it. Well, I think that is a great place to wrap up here, but just want to thank you so much for taking the time and joining us and answering our questions. I know you have some exciting things on the horizon. Do you want to share what's next for Preston Acne Pros? Well, it is a big year. Uh, a couple of things I'd like to say, but um, uh, we uh, are forming a um, sort of a partnership with uh, Face Reality Skincare which is a, an acne treatment company that we've long admired and respected. Um, why do we want to do this? Because that company offers things that we don't. They have, a, they have a very, very competent and effective treatment line. And their educational programs, their certification program is, is quite sound. <clears throat> 
they, why are they interested in us? Because we do things differently. And our approach to, uh, uh, to acne focuses on congestive acne, or what we call bacteria-based acne, uh, and, and the extraction of that, the management of that. So with the two of our companies, you get this full suite of education, which we think is great. Many uh, uh, Preston Acne Pro certification um, students are also certified by face reality. These are uh, estheticians who very wisely want to get all the education they can. And we're going to be expanding on that this year. So uh, so you'll see me uh, uh, representing uh, Preston Acne Pros. That business is still there. Uh, but uh, uh, we will also be working with and endorsing uh, face reality So for the same reason, so that we can bring the power of these two companies together uh, without them really being a redundant overlap. Uh, they're also very interested in the Preston Extractor. Uh, they will become the number, the uh, main distributor for that tool. Uh, and they're very enthusiastic about it, uh, with the exception of Preston Acne Pros will also sell it as well. And then we have some international people uh, distributing it. But it's a very, very exciting time. And uh, we, we can't wait to get started with them. So that you'll, you'll be seeing some of that in the media before long. So excited. I know I've done both programs, so I'm looking forward to seeing how the partnership pans out and the new resources and education that comes from that. So I know I speak for everyone when I say I'm so excited to, to see how that comes to be. Well, I hope this time's been valuable for those who have uh, stayed with us and listened. Your, your podcast yes. is extremely popular. We hear about it all the time. And I know that you have many admirers and followers out there. So I want to thank you for making the effort to bring this, this kind of information to our working body. It's very generous of you. I learn just as much as everyone else listening. So I also do it <laughs> selfishly <laughs> so I can learn more myself. I'm, I'm right along with you guys taking in this information. But thank you so much, Douglas. We're just so grateful for your time. This is a holiday and thank you so much for spending your day with me. Gladly, gladly. Well, thank you again. It's, it's always an honor and uh, I'm sure we'll uh, be seeing you soon. Awesome. Thank you, Douglas. And thank you all for listening. Look forward to hearing your thoughts about the episode. Please feel free to give me a five-star rating and share the episode with your friends if you got something out of this episode. And thanks so much, everybody. I will talk to you in the next episode in two weeks.